tonight. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our honor. Amen. Let's just go to him in prayer as we start this portion of the service. Father, Lord, we look away from all the things around us and we praise the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we just tune out all the things of the world and all that's been happening today and through the week. And we praise the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, in that praise and that worship, Lord, you can come down and minister and touch hearts and lives and meet needs, Lord. God, we need you today. Lord, we need direction. We need your touch, Father. We, we need you to move in, in our hearts and our homes and our lives, Lord. And God, in every, every part, Lord, we need you. Lord, we're, we're living in a world that says they have need of, no need of you. They, they don't even want to acknowledge your existence. But Lord, we need you. And we long to be in your presence, Father. And long to be, Lord, where you're at, Father. And leave this old world behind. What a day that'll be. Father, we just commit this service to your hands. Everything that be said and done would be, Lord, for your will and your glory and your honor. We ask, Father, you just anoint us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10. Amen. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Sounds quite opposite of the world that we're living in. Amen. But that's what the scripture tells us to do here as we read it. also want to read in uh, Revelations, I believe it's chapter 3 and it says, unto the angel of the, uh, of the church of Laodicea write, for these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, could you imagine or, uh, the imaginations of someone who would make the statement that I'm rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing, yet God would come back and say, Thou, thou knowest not that thou art, and knoweth not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. That's quite a problem if you have that kind of problem in your mind. Amen. To where you don't know the condition that you're truly in. And he said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment and thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down in my father's, in, with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. We'll let you be seated. As we read here in this scripture, as we know, is speaking directly to the time that we're living in and in the age that we're living in and the situations that we're seeing even unfold very quickly before our eyes. And we're seeing a world very quickly turn very much towards complete darkness and to where minds are, our minds of men are on evil continually and their minds are being taken over by, uh, you know, they can think, well, I just think this way or just my own thoughts. But we know thoughts are, are activated or are operated by spirit. And we see spirits that are being, uh, being brought to the forefront in bodies of women, men and women today that we're, we're seeing around us. And, and you know, it's an age of, a, apparently an age of imaginations to where people can be caught up in imaginations to where they think they're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. But really, they're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, they may have money that this world gives, but they don't have the things that God, of godly values. They, they may have things of houses and lands, but amen, what, what about eternal values? Amen. You know, somebody was saying the other day, you know, people wants to be a millionaire, you know, and, and it's not that shouldn't that is not our goal. And that's not our our destination, really, to be a man of mighty wealth here upon this earth. But I want to be rich in the goodness of God. Amen. I want to be an eternal heir. Amen. An eternal heir. Amen. It's, a, you know, in their imaginations or in their thinking, they're rich and creates of goods and have need of nothing from God. And the scripture would go on to say in, in, in another place that they have become vain in their imaginations. And we're, we're living in an age that's going into complete and total darkness, into complete and total chaos. There, there's a total rejection of Christ all over again. As they rejected him there in the body of Jesus Christ, they're rejecting him again, amen, and crucifying him again, the word that has been sent in this age and this hour that we're living in, until we see them completely reject him from their lives, completely reject him from schools, from jobs, and from government. And we see Laodicea has been set up in the atmosphere to be Satan's Eden or Satan's stronghold. And we see here, and that's what I want to minister on this evening as we would look into this, is casting down in that imaginations, amen, Laodicea, the stronghold of Laodicea. And we are living in a stronghold. It's a strong age. It's a strong time, and it's got very many, many ways of, of coming, coming at you as, a, as it would try. And we, we've seen very quickly how men in this age have given up their, their, their godliness and their holiness and their, and their thinking has been, been completely flipped over to the other side. And we see very quickly, amen, how the God of this age, as we know, would be Satan. He has set up his rulership and his domain, and this age will end up going into complete destruction. 
So therefore, there's no hope in this time that we're living in. And we see it very quickly ending very quickly right here in front of us. And we know he has set it up to be his Eden or his stronghold. You know, Brother Branham would speak, and it's a very good sermon to go listen to the God of this evil age. He, he, would, he would start out and he said, the Bible has the answer for every age. It's already written in the Bible for the believer of that age. I believe that everything we have need of is written right here. It don't need to be interpreted. Interpret, it, it just needs to be interpreted by the Holy Spirit. He said, "I don't believe that any man on earth has a right to put his own interpretation to the Word. God doesn't need anybody to interpret His Word. He's His own interpreter. How does He interpret it? By bringing it to pass." Amen. He said, I've said many times, he said, a virgin shall conceive. He spoke it through the lips of the prophet, and she did. No one had to interpret that. In the beginning, he said, let there be light, and there was. No one had to interpret that. And he said, in the last days, he will pour out a spirit upon flesh, and he did. It don't need any type of interpretation. But he said, notice how we closely, as we study the word, the God of this evil age that we're now living in, he said, it may seem strange, a very strange saying that in this age, this evil age, it's also an age of grace. Hallelujah. He said, because in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of all these things are going on, God is taking a people for his name's sake. And that is the bride. In this evil age, that can be called the most evil age there's ever been. In this very age, God is calling out a people for his namesake by grace and calling them out of this evil time. Now, we prove that by the Bible that, that this is the age that he's speaking of. Very strange to think that in this time, God is calling out a people. Amen. You notice he said a people, not a church. It's called, it's called the church, but he would call a people. He said a church is a gathering of many people of different makeups, but God is calling one. He said, I'll, he didn't say I'll call the Methodists or the Baptists or the Pentecostals. He will call a people, a bride for his namesake, right in the middle of this dark age. And when this bride leaves, she'll go into dark, complete darkness. Amen. He said, but we're seeing a people for his name that receives his name, engaged in his name, going to a wedding to be married to him, to become part of him by a predestination, just as a man that chooses the right, the right wife in his life, ordained to be part of his body, so the bride of Christ will be, now and from old, ordained by God to be part of that body. He said, notice not what someone has said or what someone called, but what God chose before the foundation of the world, me and you appear people for his namesake in the middle of this age in this evil age right in the middle of it he said it's the most deceiving age of all ages it's got the most deception of all ages all the ages of deceit from the garden of eden all the way down never has there ever been an age so deceptive as this age that we're living in to where it would say, it would say false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders if possible they would deceive the very elect but now just a cold now we see now in this age just cold formal starchy churches and so forth a man's theology he said but the elect won't pay no attention to that they're just going to keep going on with the word, with the promise of the word, and they're going to keep living the word for their hour, right here in the middle of this dark age. 
But we see Satan is setting up his kingdom. We find, why, why is God doing this? Why has God allowed all the things that are taking place and all the chaos and all the, all the problems in the world and the situations and, and the sicknesses and the plagues and, and Satan having, seemingly having his way time after time after time? He said, what God is doing, he's bringing a people here so she can be made manifest, so she can be tried, be proved and proved to Satan that she won't fall like the first Eve did. Hallelujah. So he's allowed it to become where it is today, Laodicea, a stronghold. Satan's Eden. Amen. An evil age to prove to Satan this bride is not like Eve. Amen. Eve fell in God's Eden, but this bride will stand in Satan's Eden. Amen. This bride will stand no matter how bad the situation gets. But we see Laodicea, and we see it, it's amazing as you would, would do a study of the, uh, you know, as, uh, reading Revelations, there were cities there in the area of the Greek. And, and this particular one named Laodicea, which means people's rights. Boy, it's, a, it's very, very fitting for the age that we live in. It, people's rights. You know, they had, they had a lot of, very, it was a very flourishing city. Uh, a lot of money, a lot of wealth. Uh, you know, very financially, seemingly stable. Much property and, you know, great medical schools. And, 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 and this, you know, they, they were distinguished in the arts and the sciences. And, you know, they, they worshipped a God whose name was Zeus. You know, how fitting were the characteristics of this city to represent the age that we now live in. But as we go on to this, don't forget God has called a people out of this. Amen. That's not going to go into destruction, but she's going to go in a rapture. Amen. But see, they, they, they said they worship one God, Zeus, who was the chief and the father of gods. And this forecast to the 20th century, one God, the father of us all. And, and to have a religious premise that sets forth the brotherhood of men, even now bringing together Protestants and Catholics and Jews and Hindus with the intent that a mutual form of worship will increase our love. We'll increase our understanding. We'll increase our care for each other. See how slick that devil is. Amen. Let's just bring it all together. No one's right. No one's wrong. We're all serving one God. We're, we're, all, we're all read the Bible. We all believe the Bible. But in their hearts, they really don't believe what the Word said. Amen. And their hearts is far from him. Amen. Amen. But they want to say, they want to put this out that, you know, all of us were, you know, I just saw an article the other day. We need an all-inclusive religion. And we see it being set up that, that we're, the world that we're living in is all-inclusive. Everybody's right. There's no wrong. There's, there, and you go down that highway, you're going down to a, to a wreck somewhere. Amen, because there is good, there is evil, there is right, there is wrong. Amen, amen, but they want us to get it in our ideas and our imagination. There's nothing wrong and there's nothing right. Everything's right and nothing's wrong. Confusion. And we're seeing a world that's being brought right into this confusion. And to where, you know, it says organizations with world leaders... Refuse to recognize any one individual concept 
of spiritual worship, but recommend putting aside all the separate concepts with hopes that all religions become leveled into one. For all desire the same goals, all have the same purposes, and all are basically right. It's a lie of the devil. Amen. Laodicea, people's rights. You know, everybody wants their rights. They want their rights to live without a God. They want their rights to live as, as how they want to live and do as they want to do and, 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 and act how they want to act. We, we got to have our rights. And how dare anybody raise up and say the word of God says this and, and the word of God says that. We have our rights. Amen. And they want, we see now nations rising up and, and demanding equality and socially and financially. This is the age of the communists where all men are supposedly equal. Though it's not so in theory, this is the age of political parties that call themselves Christian Democrats, Christian Socialists. I don't even know if there's Christian Republicans anymore. Christian Commonwealth Federation. According to our liberal theologians, they want to say Jesus was even a socialist. And the early church on the guidance of spirits practiced socialism. And thus we also do so today. Do you see where the world is going? One world, one government, one head, Satan. The God of this evil age. You know, it's a pretty crazy world you're living in when the Roman Catholic becomes the voice of the conservative. It's unbelievable. The harlot, the whore, becomes the voice of the conservative, murdering babies. And then, you know, you read about the history of Rome, you see where, who they really are and what's really behind them. It's, it's not too hard to look into, but people are being brought right into it. How? By capturing their minds. You know, he says, he says when the ancients called Laodicea the metropolis, it was looking forward to a one-world government that we are now setting up. This is in the Laodicean Church Age book. As we think of that city being the location of a great church council, we see foreshadowed the ecumenical move taking place today, wherein very soon we'll see all the so-called Christians come together. Indeed, this church and the state, religion and politics are coming together. The tares are being bound. Well, if the tares are being bound, the wheat is also being brought together. Amen. It was a city of earthquakes, such earthquake that it was finally destroyed by it. This is the age will end in God shaking the whole world that has gone off to make love with the old whore, the harlot. Not only will the world systems crumble, but every, the very earth will be shaken and that to such a point that it will be renovated again for a millennial reign of Christ. Hallelujah. But the city was rich, endowed with wealth, full of culture. Science abounded. So much like today. You know, rich. You know, churches, you know, rich, worshiping beautiful, formal, and formal formalities, but cold and dead. 
Cultures and education has taken the place of spirit-given word and faith has been superseded by science so that man is a victim of materialism. Amen. And every attribute ancient Laodicea has found reborn in the 20th century's Laodicean age. It is only the mercy of God that may those who have an ear to hear come out of her and not be partakers of her sins and the consequent judgment. And here, Laodicea, here's a message to Laodicea in Revelations 3, verse 15. It says, I know thou works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest I'm rich, thou sayest. This ain't God saying, they're saying this. I'm rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. No, it's not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and the white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. He said, I would that thou were cold or hot, but because thou art lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Listen, right here, I'm going to tell you there's something I'm a lot more afraid of than the COVID. That's the lukewarm flu that's going around. It's a stronghold that's trying to take over people's lives. Amen. The devil used COVID to bring lukewarmness right into people's lives. I've talked to ministers and pastors all over, and they say, we've not seen people, a lot of people since COVID. Why? It wasn't COVID that kept them out. The truth be known, it was the lukewarmness of Laodicea, the stronghold of Satan that's trying to come take over people's minds. Lukewarmness. Demands a penalty from God. So therefore, I don't want to be lukewarm. I said, God, keep me from that. Let me, hey, let me have a, the inoculation. You know, people are so happy about this vaccine for the COVID. Amen. It's a man-made vaccine. It does good and it's going to do evil. It's off the tree of good, and, of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil. It can't help it. It can only do what it's been made to do. As every other vaccine, there's a lot of good in them, but there was also a lot of bad. This is not going to be no different. Amen. But I, I, I'm here to tell you there's another vaccine. This vaccine will protect you in the time of storms. It'll protect you when all the world is going insane. Amen. And it ain't a man-made vaccine that has been built in less than a year. It's a vaccine that's been proven over thousands of years. And it's not lost a case. But people want to refuse it. We'll get into that later. And then they allow lukewarmness to come in. As he would say, pretty soon people start doing things they used to wouldn't do. And they stop doing things they used to do. Prayers out. Satan has designed this age that we're living in to take every bit of time you got. 
And he's trying to destroy you and try to bring you down with the rest of the world and, 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 and trying to bring lukewarmness upon people to the point. Amen. You can't hardly pipe a, you can't hardly pump an amen out of them anymore if you can even get them to come to church. And what is it? It's lukewarmness. Let's just get to the bones of it. You say, well, it's, my, it's my personality. No, it's lukewarmness. Because a seed of God cannot help but respond to the word of God. It may not be a shout and dance up in the aisle, but something on the inside of you being so lit up by the word of God that you can't help but hold it. You can't hold it back. It's there. It's coming out of you. Why? But why is people allowing things in their home they used to wouldn't allow? Lukewarmness. Why are people, why are women putting thing, stuff on their face they used to wouldn't do? Lukewarmness. People, like I said, people are rejoicing about a vaccine over a COVID that's, you, you've got about a 99 whatever percent chance of surviving. On this right here, if it takes you, you have zero percent of surviving. I'd be a lot more afraid of something that's got zero percent than 99 percent. Come on now. But people will go, they just live like it's going, like it's just another day as usual, you know, just like they were in Jesus' day. Just another day. Things are, but things are happening and, and things are being put. It's just another day. Nothing really going on, you know. How, how, people's minds have been so clouded up. Listen, what we're seeing in our government. It's not about whether you agree with Democrats or Republicans. What we're seeing in our government is Satan coming into fulfillment. It doesn't matter what side you feel you're on. It's all a work of the, of the devil. Amen. But people are in all these, this age that we're living in, it's a lukewarm age. It don't really matter. God didn't really, don't really think that no more. And people have become lukewarm about scriptures that they used to hold very dear to their heart. People have become very lukewarm about gathering together which they used to hold very dear to their heart. People have become very lukewarm about, amen, about their family life and things around that they used to hold dear to their heart. People have become lukewarm about a lot of things. It's creeping in. It's a stronghold to try to hold you here. Listen, the rapture, the day of the rapture, to many is going to be another day as usual. But to some, it's going to be the greatest day ever. Oh, he cried out. He's crying out in this last age. You have the word. You have the Bible, more Bibles than ever, but yet you're not doing anything about the Word except dividing and hacking it into pieces, taking what you want and leaving out what you don't want. You're not interested in living it. You're interested in debating it. I would sooner you were cold or hot. If you were cold and rejected, I, if you were cold and rejected it, I could, I could stand that. If you would get white hot and know it's the truth and live it, I would praise you for it. But when you simply take my word and don't honor it. Oh, that's a sign of lukewarmness. Don't honor it. 
How many people don't honor the presence of God no more? It's a holy thing. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to come into the presence of God. But people don't honor it. You know, you walk into a, a courtroom and the judge comes in. If my understanding is right, you honor him by standing. But you can see the presence of God sweep, the, sweep this audience and people just still sit in their seats and look around like nothing's going on. What is it? Lukewarmness. I'm not trying to say that you ought to be on your feet 100% of the time, but when he comes in the room, and it's very, very obvious and very vivid when he comes in the room. You realize something different's taking place. That's the time to honor him. Lay aside the things that you're thinking about and the situations of tomorrow and yesterday and say, I'm in the presence of not just an earthly judge. I'm in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Therefore, I'm going to honor him and worship him when he comes. If anybody knows that lukewarm water makes you sick to the stomach, he says, if you need something to cause you to vomit, lukewarm water is about the best thing to drink. A lukewarm church has made God sick. And he's declared he would spew it out. He said, oh, would to God the church were cold or hot. Best of all, she should be fervent. If there's ever an hour to be fervent, this is the hour. If there's ever an hour to be sincere, this is the hour. If there's ever an hour to be looking for something to happen on a, in a spiritual realm, this is the hour. If there was ever an hour to take advantage of every church service, this is an hour. If this is an hour, if there's ever been an hour to be listening to tapes and reading your Bible and praying, this is the hour. Is because thou sayest, people may not say anything with their words about their lives, but our lives speak volumes. You say, Well, I'm not trying to say I'm a Christian. Well, it's obvious when the white life you're living, you're not. Amen. Because you can hear the word of God, you can hear the, the offer given for inoculation, and you won't take it. We see, we see it here. Let me go back to where I was. So because thou sayest, they were talking as the mouthpiece of God. They were trying to say things when God... What, what God, they were trying to say things that God wasn't saying. Amen. You know, the Catholic Church even says she speaks for God. God help us if that's God's voice. Saying she has assured the voice of the Lord. How any, how any people can be so spiritually wicked is more than I know, but they produce according to the seed which is in them. The Laodicean churches say it, I'm rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. That was her self-estimate. 
That was not what God thought about her. She looked at herself and what she saw and she said, I'm rich, which means she's wealthy in the things of this world. Thou sayest, I'm increased with good, which means I have, which literally means I have spiritual wit riches. That sounds like the millennium, a street of gold and presence of God. But there was very lacking in spiritual things. You know, it says, Brother Branham puts this here. He says, if the church is truly spiritual rich, its influence will be felt upon the community life. Wow. We're here right now at the last calls. Go out into the highways and the byways. Beg them to come so that my table may be filled. We're seeing it happen. If there ever ought to be a time our church is felt in our community, it ought to be this time right now. This is why you're seeing people show up off the streets. You're seeing people stop for no reason seemingly and just say, I felt they came, come here. Why? Because there's something that we have here that the world didn't give and the world can't take away. Amen. You know, he said exactly what kind of lives are these so-called spiritual and influential men in the community living out in suburbia, out in the better class districts. He said, let me tell you what kind of lives. They're wives swapping, prostitution, bands of children, crashing parties, exacting a terrible toll on property damage. Hello. Immorality has reached an all-time high in promiscuous sex acts, narcotic addictions, gambling, stealing, and all kinds of evil. And the church goes on claiming how fine this generation is. How full our churches are. How responsive, amen, the mission fields are. The church has turned to the people over to doctors, especially psychiatrists. Amen. How, how it can parade about being spiritually rich is more than I know. It isn't true. They're bankrupt and they don't know it. He said, take a good look. Examine the people as you walk by. In the poor multitudes, can you pick out those who have an appearance of Christians? It's almost gotten possible. You don't know the Christians from the atheist anymore. Out in the world. But yet apparently, supposedly dress don't matter. (laughs) Watch how they dress. Watch how they act. Hear what they say. See where they go. Surely there ought to be some real evidence of the new birth amongst all those who we see go by. But few there be. And it's getting fewer and fewer and fewer. Yet the fundamental churches are crying out saying... We've had millions saved this year in Spirit Field. And they call Spirit Field those who frizz bobbed hair and shorts and slacks and painted up like Jezebels. Hello. Message churches are calling women Spirit Field and they got paint all over their face. You're not Spirit Field. Not by the Holy Spirit. You're Spirit Field, but by a different spirit. It's still the word, whether you want it or whether you don't want it. What's the problem? Lukewarmness. 
lackadaisical. Daddies are out worried about money more than they're worried about their family. Got to have a job. Got to have this. Lukewarmness. It's taking over minds. It's a stronghold. It's taking over families. He said, it's gotten to such a point, he said, I would hate to even witness, have to witness a display of immodesty. What's called a display of immodesty. He said, it's so immodest, I'd hate to know what a real display of immodesty is because it's called morality and good people and everything's okay. But if we see this world that we're living in, they're saying, I have need of nothing. What they're saying is, I have need of, no need of God. Oh, they want stuff. They want more money. They want more items. They want more objects. They want more lands. They want more houses. They're saying, I don't need God. And this is the world that we're living in. Amen. I have need of nothing. I have everything I want. Hello, somebody. I have everything I want. You can express this any way you want, and all it adds up to the fact that the church is complacent. She's satisfied with what she has. I don't want to be satisfied with what I have. I don't want to be satisfied with the experience I have. I want more of God. I don't want to be satisfied with one good church service. I want more good church service. I, I don't want to be satisfied with one time the Holy Ghost falls in, in the building. We're all happy and we go, no, I want it every service. I don't want to be a halfway, half-living, nominal Christian. That's not who I'm called to be. I'm not called to be a Baptist message believer. I'm not called to be a Methodist message believer. I mean, I'm not called to be none of that. I'm called to be His. And live with for Him with all my heart. But lukewarmness is settling hearts to where, well, we're not a Baptist, but we act like one. We dress like one. We live like one. You know, we bring things in our homes. Eh, maybe this is my New Year's service. <laughs> we bring stuff in our homes sometimes. We allow it to take preeminence. Why? Lukewarmness. Things that I'm talking about is not of God. But actually, angels, an uh, angel of God would warn the prophet about it. TVs. Things that we put there before, amen, ourselves. And, and we feast upon them and feed upon them. And, and we got it there. I know today it may not be a TV. It's Hulu or something else. My wife was actually telling him, a man and his wife, about the, about the situation that when the devil talked about the TV there at youth camp, trying to, and here they had the TV on their wall, and just trying to witness to them about what God is doing, and we need to be more sincere, more fervent, not so caught up in these things, and 
He just dismissed it as well. I, I can understand if you really had a problem with it. That was his answer. That was his cop-out. That the devil would call it out if you had a problem with it. What is it? Lukewarmness. People are drying up. Even before COVID. Pastors were talking about they couldn't hardly get people to come on a Wednesday night anymore. Sundays was, you know, more about the ball game they had to go to or the, this, that, and the other, whatever, some other thing they had to go through, too. Let's be honest. People in this age is the age of easy living. So we could become professional vacation goers. And it's all about our pleasures and what we have. It's nothing no more about the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and, and the fervent desire that we once used to have. This is what happened in Ephesus. They lost their first love. What happened? Lukewarmness came in. This is where we want to guard ourselves against it and realize Satan is trying to do everything he can to steal the joy of God away from us. To steal the joy of his presence and being in his presence and living for him. Satan's doing everything he can to destroy it. Make us complacent. But God saw entirely different from what they saw. They said they were rich, spiritually wealthy. They had arrived. They had need of nothing. But God said, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And when a people are that way, especially naked and don't know it, there's something wrong somewhere. Surely something must be happening. God also calls the church of Laodicean age wretched. He says the word comes from two Greek words, which means endure and trial. It has nothing to do with trials that come to a true Christian, for God describes a Christian trial as blessed and his attitude one of joy. Whereas he does, this description is phrase, phrase wretched and miserable. And how, how strange, in an age of plenty, miserable. In an age of progress, wretched and miserable. In an age of abundance, wretched and miserable. How can there be trials in such a time? It's strange. But in the age of plenty and opportunity, when everyone has so much and there's so much more to be had, what, what, with all the inventions to do our work and so many things to give us pleasure, suddenly we find mental illness taking such a toll and such a, to alarm a nation when everybody ought to be happy with really nothing to be unhappy about. Millions are taking sed, uh, sedatives at night, pep pills in the morning, rushing to doctors, in an institution, trying to drown out unknown fears by alcohol. This age boasts of his tremendous stores of worldly goods, but this people are less happier than ever. So it tells me there's nothing in this age you're going to find happiness in. Amen. This age boasts of its spiritual attainments, but most more people are less sure of themselves than ever. This age boasts of better morals, but it's more corrupt than any age since the flood. It talks about knowledge and science, but it's losing a battle in all fields. For the human mind and soul and spirit cannot comprehend and keep abreast with all the changes that have come upon the earth. In one generation, we've gone from a horse and buggy to a space age, and we're proud and boasting about it, but 
But inside, it's dark, void caverns that's crying out in torment without a known reason. Men's hearts are failing for fear. The world is darkening to what it can be called the age of neurotics. It boasts, but it can't back it up. It cries peace, but there'll be no peace. Did you hear that? It cries that it has a great amplitude of all things, but it keeps burning with a desire like an unsatisfied fire. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. They're miserable, which means they're objects to be pitied. They scorn pity. They're full of pride. They vaunt what they have. But what they have will not stand the test of time. They built upon the quicksand, rather the rock of the revelation of God's word. Soon cometh the earthquake. Soon there will be come storms of the wrath of God and judgment. Then comes sudden destruction. In spite of all their carnal preparation, they will still be unprepared for what's coming upon the earth. They are those who, in spite of all their worldly efforts, are actually opposing themselves and don't know it. Objects of pity are they indeed. Pity the poor people are in the last ecumenical move, for they call it the move of God when it indeed is the move of Satan. Pity. Don't envy them, pity them. They're poor. This is what God is saying. They're poor. Well, I've never seen such wealth. Look at Mr. Jeff Bezos or whatever his name is. Wealthiest man. Wow, such wealth. Never been such a wealthy man. But indeed, he's poor. Could you imagine the richest man on earth be the poorest man at the same time? We see, we see also he said they're blind and naked. Now, this is really desperate. How can anyone be blind and naked and don't know it? What is it? They can't perceive it. They can't understand. They've been blinded by the glare of an age. And their eyes have caught the wrong thing. You know, Brother Danny Steeman brought out in our, one of our youth banquets here a couple of years ago, about the sea turtles and how, you know, they're born on the beach and they've had to actually go and, and change things the way they, way they have, uh, have built through the years because, you know, it would, it would be the, the sea that would catch the eye of the turtle, the, the glistening of it at night as it would maybe catch the moon or, or the stars that when they, if they'd come out and they'd be born in the darkness that they would catch that and they would go that away. He said, well, what happened with cities being built? Lights were put up and they would catch the light of the city and they would go the wrong way. And we're seeing people heading the wrong way. I'm going to take it a little down a little further. I'm not even talking about the world. We know where it's going. I'm talking about people in our churches headed the wrong way. Their families are headed the wrong direction. What is it? They've caught the wrong light. And he said those turtles, instead of finding their life in the sea and growing up, they've, they actually become smashed under a tire somewhere because they caught the wrong light. Yeah. 
And people were being caught up with the light of Laodicea and this glare. The frizzles and the boom and the shouts and, oh, this problem over here and that over there. And they're being blinded by it. Blindness is taken in. We see, we're going down. Read this here. He said, they have become blind because they refuse the word of God. These are they who have stripped themselves naked by leaving God's care and protection and sought to build their own way of salvation, their own tower of Babel. Oh, how lovely and beautifully dressed they appear in their own eyes as they form their general assemblies and their councils. But now God is stripping it all away, and they're naked, for their organizations have led them into the camp of the Antichrist, into the field of tares, right to the binding and burning. Objects of pity indeed they are. Yes, pity them, warn them, beseech them. Still they go their way headlong to destruction, wrathfully turning away any and all attempts to save them as brands from the burning. Miserable indeed they are, yet they know it not. Calloused and beyond hope, they glory in what is actually their shame. Defying against the word, yet one day they'll be judged by that same word and pay the price of its indictments. As we talked about it, people are all caught up in this new vaccine. And I'm not going to say whether you should take it or you shouldn't take it. And they think it's the Savior, curing all problems, the world problems. Listen, this, this is only the beginning. If you felt unrest during this time, you don't want to be here when the bride leaves. If you felt anxiety during this time, you don't want to be here when the bride leaves. Amen. They're thinking it'll cure the worry and the anxiety. Yet there's a vaccine that's available. That if you don't take it, there's zero survival rate. If you don't take it, there's a zero percent of a rapture rate. You will go into destruction and wait to judgment. And this vaccine is not a man-made vaccine. It's a God-made vaccine. It's been tested. It's been tried. And it showed over thousands of years to hold true. Amen. It held through the dark ages. Some of the darkest times. Amen. When women would watch their kids, their brains be bashed out. It held. It was they took the vaccine, they took Christ, they took the answer, and it held. And you're seeing a little bit of a, of a sickness come by with 99 points, and people are falling away. Why? They haven't taken the vaccine. Because this vaccine holds. When you see these signs coming, you're not going to fall away, you're going to go further in to Christ. Amen. You know, 
Brother Brandon would talk about a vaccine. He says, you know, a man dying on the doorsteps of a doctor's office when the doctor in the building has a cure for his disease, but he refuses to take it. If a man has a disease and the doctor has a cure for it, the man may lay on the doctor's doorsteps, but if he refuses to take the medicine, he'll die. And we're not talking about a vaccine that may, we're talking about a cure. Amen. We're talking about a cure. A man may lay on the doctor's doorsteps, but if he refuses it, he'll die. You can't blame the doctor. The doctor tried to give it to him if he'd only come and take it. But it isn't the doctor's fault. He's got the remedy. But men is too stubborn to take it. Then whose fault is it? He said, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you. So what about this? He says, people die in the front of churches on steps in pews. They die in their sins because they refuse the cure. There is a cure for Laodicea. There is a cure for this lukewarmness. There is something that will break the stronghold of Laodicea off of lives. I know it's going to break strongholds off of lies because he promised it would. He said, to him that overcometh. They die in their sins because they refuse it. Not because there wasn't any. There is cure. There is a, a vaccine. There is a serum there is a remedy, however you want to word it, but you got to take it. Amen. We have a few, Brother Tim's used this analogy, it's really good. But we have a few cows left and we're planning to get rid of this spring. But we're looking out there and we see some of them that's sowing signs of being wormy. Weight's falling off, and they're getting what they call bottle jaw, and they, 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 their appetite ain't there, and, and so we know they need a medicine. In a few days, Lord willing, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to put them in a pen, and I'm going to sort them out, and I'm going to put them through a chute. They're not going to like it. They're not going to want to be there. They're going to hate it. They're going to fight every step of the way, but they ain't got a choice. Because I have a system designed that's going to get them to where I need them to be to administer what I need to administer. But people can come to a church. And the man of God can pour his heart out. The medicine that is needed for the cure of sin. The medicine that is needed to take the pain off your face. The medicine that is needed that will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. The medicine that is needed that will heal families. The medicine that is needed to put them all back together again. Amen. He'll deliver it. But the difference is you have a choice. But if you die, it won't be the preacher's fault. Because he's been preaching the word of God. If you go into destruction, it won't be this pulpit's fault. Because you've heard the warning. How many heard the warnings? I mean, he's heard the word preached over this pulpit without fear of favor. Amen. So if somebody goes there, it's not because it hasn't been given or a way out. It's because they choose it. He said they die sitting right on a pew. 
He said it wasn't because there wasn't none there. It was there. But men and women just refused to take it. They die right there in the church, sitting in meetings, listen night after night to inspired prophets of God who take the word word fearlessly and lay it out. Ye must be born again. Men and women sit in the pew and die and sink into utter despair, annihilated from God, not because there wasn't grace and salvation, but it was because they refused to receive it. And this is what he said, is there no balm in Gilead? Then why is the daughter of my people so sick? Isn't there a physician there? Sure there is. Isn't there prophets? Sure there is. Isn't there preachers? Sure there is. Isn't there word of God that's true and and infallible? Sure there is. Why are they sick? Because they won't take the medicine. They refuse it. Now we know medicine has been tested. They find a, what we might call a toxin. They put some kind of other stuff with it. Try it on a guinea pig. And, and that, you know, after they work with it for, for a time, they shoot it into this pig to watch the reaction. And if it doesn't hurt him, they try to use it on humans. But medicine is a chance to take. Let's just be honest. The vaccine at its best is a chance to take. That's why I, I, we've always prayed, you know, when you take vaccine, vaccinations, Lord, let this thing do what it's supposed to do. And don't let no harm come from it. Brother Tim was talking about it there. They shall drink no deadly thing. Drink, drink it, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. It's very applicable to this age. There's people with cancer having to take some deadly stuff. But I pray that that stuff goes and kills the cancer. Medicine is a chance to take. Medicines will help one human being and might kill another one. Mercy, you hear any advertisements of medicine? Don't listen to that fast talking. If you catch that, you won't take any medicine. Man, there's all kinds of stuff that stuff can possibly do. Sometimes you might, must be sure that you know what you're doing. Let a doctor that knows how to give it someone you got confidence in. He said, we hear so much today about heart disease, heart troubles, the number one killer in America, heart trouble. Sin is the number one, he said, heart trouble is not the number one killer. Sin is the number one killer. Sin is what does the killing. You might be able to patch your body up for a little while, but the body's going to die anyhow and go into dust. But the soul will live somewhere yonder. That's the killer. It's sin to the soul. That's the number one killer in America. So if we know what the number one killer is, which, by the way, it's come out that we have set a record this year, this past year for cancer deaths. It's the lowest ever. How's that? Food for thought. I'll leave you with it. COVID ain't the number one killer. Cancer is not the number one killer. Heart trouble is not the one, number one killer. And people get all worked up about it. Sin is the number one killer. And sin is trying to permeate your lives and come in day after day. Laodicea is kind of like sandpaper. It's constantly there rubbing against you. You can take a sandpaper light as it can be and you rub it long enough, it'll rub this wood completely out of existence. 
It's the truth. And Laodicea, we've watched it on people's lives. It is totally, amen, it went right down to the Baptists. Baptists are today not what they used to be. Pentecostals today are not what they used to be. Why? Lukewarmness of Laodicea. Dare I say message people, many of them are not what they used to be. What is it? Laodicea is constantly against your convictions, against your God, against everything that's godly, trying to rub it all out. We are seeing the world that's trying to rub out anything to do with God. Sin is the number one killer. So why wouldn't you take that vaccine? He said, the man just lay there and just die. Why don't you just go in and get the medicine? He said, you, you can talk to them about their soul and the sin in their life, yet people won't go in. It's their unbelief. If you believe God, you'd rush to Calvary just as quick as you could. God has a remedy for unbelief. God has a remedy for anxiety. God has a remedy for fear. God has a remedy for every sickness. God has a remedy for everything the devil could ever do to you or put upon you. God has a remedy for it. He talked about when they had diphtheria and there was no toxin. Many people died. There was a time there was no toxin for typhoid fever. They got toxins. There are vaccines today for those things. He said, there was a time when there was no balm in Gilead for your sin, but that's not today. For in today in the house of David, the house of God is a fountain open for you to be washed and cleaned again and made new. And though your sins be as scarlet, they can be made white as snow. Amen. Men and women who's been made in the image of God stand and say that God's word's not right. They doubt this. They doubt whether it's so or not. There is a fountain to take care of that. There is a fountain that will take care of your doubts and your fears and your anxiety. There is a fountain for that. But you got to drink it. Well, you can go a long time in that right there, but for time's sake, I want to move on. Brother Timothy, this is a terrible age. Yeah. This is a dark age. Dark, your darkest ever, yes. Spiritually black, yes. Is anyone going to overcome this age? Is anyone ever, he really going to make it? He said so. To him that overcometh. Oh, how many overcomers do we have? Will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Oh, my back. You got that verse. Could you pull it up for me? Amen. Sit, sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcome and have sat down in my Father's throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now go back about three, uh, maybe three verses. Let me look at it. I'll just uh, go back. 
I think this is where I want to be. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Now you notice he's given the vaccine. White raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. There is a people that's going to accept this vaccine that's going to tear down the strongholds of Laodicea. There will not be a Laodicea lukewarm and ungodly and without God, but will be on fire with the fire of Almighty God. There is a people who will be on fire with the Holy Ghost in the darkest ages there ever been. Next verse. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Next verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, but you got something to do. Service after service after service, he knocks. And you hear his voice. But you got to open the door. Be honest. Wonder how many has heard his voice, but they failed to open the door. Because if you open the door, I will come into you. And I will sup. I will have fellowship. I'll, I will reveal myself with you, to you. Just like he did to those that was on the road to Emmaus. As he begged him, they, they held him. They said, no, 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 don't leave. Come on in. And he come in, and he began to reveal who he really was. The way he broke bread. He broke bread, and there was another piece there. He broke bread, and there was another piece there. They knew who he was because they'd seen him do it before. Hallelujah. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. So he could not make this statement unless there was going to be an overcomer. Amen. I will grant to sit with me in my throne even as I'm also overcome and have sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Listen, we got, we got Hebrews 11 that can tell you people that listen to the voice of God. Not only listen, but they received it and they acted upon it. They just didn't allow it to go in one ear and out the other. No, but they heard it, they received it, and they acted upon it. And there's also a people here in this hour that's hearing the word, receiving the word, and acting upon the word. Hallelujah. Amen. This is why Paul would say, hey, we got a great cloud of witnesses that this power works. That this God works. He's not going to leave us alone. He's not going to leave us by ourselves. He's with Enoch. He was with Noah. He was with Moses. There's all kind of testimonies. God has never left any one of his, and he's not going to start now. Amen. We got a cloud of witnesses. And so therefore, if we got this cloud of witnesses and saying God's going to do what he said he would do, then let's lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside the lukewarmness of Laodicea. Let's lay aside our bitterness. Just say something right there. There's people in this church that's carried bitterness too long. It's time to lay it down. I don't care who it's against or who it's about. Lay it down. This ain't the time for that. This is the time to lay aside every weight. 
Amen. It's time to get real and get right with God. Lay aside every way and the sin that was so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who is the joy, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied. And faint in your minds. This Laodicea takes over your mind. Jesus, what an example. He didn't, he, he didn't put it in a, he didn't put this vaccine or this serum in a guinea pig. He came down and he tried it in himself. That's when you know a man's got confidence in what he's got. God had confidence. Therefore, he came down. He said, I'll take it, and I'll show you it works. And he took it at the River Jordan, and it kept him in the trials of life and the mocking and all the problems that came his way. It kept him. I'm thankful we're not dependent upon some man-made vaccine. But we're dependent upon a God-made word. That's going to take us out of here. I don't know about you, but that makes me very happy to think about that. That I'm not staying here. This world is not my home. Could you imagine not having a hope? And you're wondering what's happening right now and what's going on. Disturbed. There's a lot of disturbed people right now. Worried people. Anxiety to this fullness. Men's hearts are failing for fear. Why? Because Laodicea and his lukewarmness has put their eyes out and they can't see. But thank God for an eye salve. You know, I went through the different times. I believe it was about three times. He mentioned it uh, just as far as mentioning the, the vision, but I, I believe he told it about three times what I found so far. Of the bride, the church and the bride, the preview. But in the masterpiece, he says one thing that caught my attention. He said that that last time as that bride came through, he said there was a few in the back. He said they started to get out of step. He said what was they was not looking at the right thing. He said they was looking at the church going in chaos. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the one who started the work. He's the one who's going to finish the work. He's not going to get to this age and say, I quit. We're only at the beginning. It's going home time. It's time to take a body change. God bless you tonight. Let's bow our heads. You need a determination. I'm not going down in defeat. That's not who I am. I'm determined to see Jesus. When you come with that determination, God will make a way for you to see him. He will show himself to you.
How many tonight just examine your lives? Say, God, I've allowed lukewarmness to come in. I need that fervor, Lord. Fervent desire. That first love. Coldness, Laodicea is wearing upon people. And people are falling away. What about you? What am I to just say, Lord, I want another drink of the fountain. I want another drink from you, Lord. I want you more than anything. I wonder how many of our elders would say, Lord, relight my fire. Relight me, Lord. Let me burn even greater. Even brighter than ever before. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a people. He's coming back for you and me. Father, you see the hands that were lifted all over this building. Lord, you know our hearts. My hand is lifted as well. I want to push through the lukewarmness. Relight my fire, Lord. Lord, I believe it's not going to be the saints come dragging in. Barely making it. There's going to be a people that's rising above every demonic power. Above every spirit of hell, in hell. Rising above it all. Lord, we want to be that people. Lord, there may be some out on the stream tonight that's been lukewarm, been away from you. May tonight, Lord, they find their place to talk it over with you and rekindle the fire. Rekindle the love affair. The love affair between a son and a father. A daughter and a father. Lord, we see a world is going into complete darkness, complete chaos. And Lord, when our eyes get off of you, how anxiety and fear and everything tries to come in, move in in every kind of way. Lord, tonight we want to turn our eyes completely on you. And not just for tonight, not just for this week, not just for this month, not for this year. But at whatever time we got left, may our eyes be fixed on the Master. Lord, there may be somebody here tonight that's caught that lukewarm, that Laodicea flu. spiritual life has been suffering their family's been suffering there everybody around them been suffering 
But Lord, they want to come back to you tonight, Lord, with their whole heart. May they do it, I pray. Lord, I can't force them. You can't force them. They got to do it. They got to open the door. Jesus. May somebody grab the latch and open the door, I pray. And let you come in. To be king of their lives, to be Lord over everything. To where they can be at such peace and happiness and joy, knowing, Lord, they made it. You've come down and you've touched their lives and you've changed them. What a joy, what a time that is, Lord. May our elders, Lord, never forget that time when you changed their lives forever. But Lord, rekindle a fire in every heart and every life, Lord. To burn ever, ever greatly, ever more greatly, Lord. Even in light to shine into a darkened world. That it'll shine into our jobs, it'll shine into our schools, it'll shine into our neighborhoods. Lord, this church will have an impact. We'll be part of that, Lord, to go into the highways and the byways, get that last seed. Grant it, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, God. And renew a right spirit within Yes, Jesus. Me. Oh, create, Lord.
of God going by every pew trying to deal with every soul. But you know what? You're the one that holds the latchet. You're the one who has to open it up. You're the one who has to say, Lord, cleanse me. Purge me. Do a work in my life. You know, there's many along the way that are losing out. I just got a, an email this week from a brother said I've left the church that I was in because there's all kinds of adultery and fornication that's going on. Holiness is not being stood for anymore. Purity is not being preached. Every kind of thing is taking place. And it's just all falling away, and it's all because of lukewarmness. It's important you don't lose your vision of Jesus. Don't lose your vision of Jesus. Riches that won't fade away. 
Amen. We can, we can have everything God promised in His Word. It is ours. We just need to open the door to it. I don't want to lose that vision, Lord. Increase my vision. Increase my vision of you. Don't lose the vision of Jesus. Keep your eyes ever on Him. Many friends and dear loved ones, they've lost their way. They lost their vision of Him. Lord, I need you right now. Yes, Lord, I need you right now. Yet it's the age that says, I have need of nothing. God, I don't need you. But if there was an average that needs Jesus, we need him right now. Amen. I want all of my life in your keeping somehow. Lord, I need you right now. Just reach out to him now. Oh. I need 